Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Mark, and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you, God, that you would bless it to our hearts. Lord, you would expand our understanding of your word from it. And God, again, thank you for the mysteries, Lord, that you have recorded in your word that we would understand. And Lord, it would change our lives. And so, God, this morning, may your Holy Spirit remind us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we remember that Jesus was so worn out from ministering to people His family came to him and said, we got to get you. You don't know whether you're coming or going. Now, I look at that, friends, kind of interesting because, again, as we understand, we fail to realize a lot of times what difference one person makes in a situation, at a company, or even in our own personal lives. The difference that you will make in a person's life may be that life-changing person that only you can do. Now, as I look at this, I realize that Jesus was that person who ministered to the people of Israel. I realize that for each one of us, we will minister to people in our work or our school, on our street or wherever God has us go, that you may be the only Christian that will really point them and direct them to a relationship with the Lord. And so again, the value that you have to God is so important. And again, I believe these things are written to help us understand the value of your input into other people's lives. Now, a lot of times we live in a world that says basically, well, you know, you're just one of the masses. Not really. When you really study the Bible, look all the way through the Bible, what difference one person made. Remember Noah building the ark. One person made a difference because God, he found favor in the sight of God. And because of him, God was able to preserve the whole human race. We look all the way through the Bible. We look at maybe Moses and how he was raised and grew up. And he decided to make a change and and make a stand for his people and and uh, what that one person made different in, in all those people's lives. So I'd like to encourage you this morning to think about the one that, even though <clears throat> you're one person, the difference that you make in the world that you're around and in. Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Again, he began to teach by the sea. And by the way, uh, we all teach every day. Some of us use words. Some of us use uh, our, our um, body language. But we all teach. We all teach somebody something. So uh, Jesus here was teaching. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it uh, and and, uh, they went out to sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Uh, We remember last uh, time we were together that they said the multitude was such a press around Jesus that actually this was one of the ways that he was able to actually address the crowds without just being in 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 a mob actually. So he got into a boat, went out in the sea just a little bit. And there he was able to talk to the, uh, to the people. And he taught them many things by, the, by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened when he sowed that some seed fell among the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And he said, Boy, I'm never going to do that again, and went home. It doesn't say that, does it? 
You know, friends, I, I look at this as a little bit of, there's a lot of different things that we can get out of the parables of Jesus. And of course, obviously, as we'll read on here, the seed that's being sown is the Word of God. But you know, there's a lot of other aspects of this, of this parable that I look at that, you know, if you don't succeed the first time, don't give up. You keep going. In fact, I think it's interesting that in this parable, Jesus does not list the latter first and the first last. The latter, of course, being that the seed fell into good ground and grew and bore a hundredfold. I think it's interesting that Jesus mentioned oftentimes the failure first and then mentions the, uh, the, the good result of perseverance. Now, friends, a lot of times we expect things to happen just the way we figured out. We like our picket fences all in a row. And if something comes along and disrupts that, well, we feel somehow God is not in it. God has forgotten us. Uh, or, and we even become sometimes angry with God because, well, you know, Lord, I started off on this endeavor. Your word says to go out and, and tell people about you. And, and I did that. And the birds of the air came and gobbled it up. I'm just going to go home. Have you ever felt like that? I think this is why Jesus lists his friends. I think it's, uh, this parable has a lot to say, not only, again, about sowing seed and, and different ears hear it, some with different needs and some respond in different ways, but I also believe it's for the sower as well. Don't give up when you're sowing seed because, friends, listen, it will have its effect on whom God has the effect purposed for. I think a lot of times we give up on that. I think a lot of times many of us maybe would start off and perhaps you, you've shared your, your faith or your testimony at work or, or even at home. Maybe around 4th of July or, or some other holiday season when you get with your relatives and, and you share what God has done in your life and, and uh, you, you kind of share with them and the birds come and pick it apart, pick it away, take it away. And you go, ah, I'm never going to do that again. See, I, I believe that again, as we look at this, you're going to see that there's a perseverance that goes on, and keeping your eye on the Lord in spite of disappointment. Now, I don't think you're going to be a Christian very long and not in the natural eye have disappointment concerning things uh, pertaining to the kingdom of God. And what I mean by that is this. You, you, you go and, and you love God and you go to church and you do the best you can and, and you raise your kids in the right way and you pray and ask God to do something and He doesn't do it. You feel abandoned by God. Well, friends, I, I can just see the, the sower going out to sow. Now, friends, again, sowing a seed in those days is the way they planted their crops. This was a very common, you might say, practice for uh, almost all that uh, agrarian society uh, where they relied on planting and crops and harvest and all those things. And uh, they didn't have uh, the real fancy uh, seed sowers that we've got today. Usually they just reach in their bag and take a handful of seed and throw it. But it took effort, it took time, and it took diligence. And sometimes in the process of all those things, the result, as we're going to see here, didn't bring forth anything. And friends, I know that that can be very disappointing. Uh, I, I know a lot of times, especially when you uh, pour your life, perhaps into your children's life, some of you that have kids, and you pour your life into your children's life, hoping that they'll somehow get it. And, and you just go, they're never going to learn. My children are ADD. They're, they're, they're never going to figure this out. But you know what? God has a way, again, friends, of encouraging us not to give up. Well, let's look at the second part of this. Verse 5. Some of the seed fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. Immediately it sprang up, but because it had no depth of earth, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it uh, died, is what he's saying here. 
um, it just did not fall on the ground. So we find here the birds came and took some of it away. Because it lacked the fertileness of what it needed, it fell on stony ground. It didn't have what it needed to grow. It says, because when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and withered away. In verse 7, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. Now, at this particular point, friends, somebody would say, you better go find yourself a different job. I mean, three times and you're out. This guy went out sowing seed. And, and you know what? Somebody might say, you know what? You need to be a little more accurate of where you pitch this stuff. Some fell uh, and the birds came and got it. Maybe not put it so close to the trees. Some fell on the stony ground. Some fell on, as it says here, well, we find that, friends, again, we would want to look at this and say, hey, um, maybe something's not right here. You know, I, I believe that's why we need to continue to pray. Because, you know, God, even though oftentimes things may not be obvious to us, God's got a plan involved, friends. Again, the difference one person makes. This one person went out sowing seed. And to some people... Uh, some places, this seed had no effect. But verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Literally times more than what was sown. Friends, that's where it works. You know, uh, uh, you know I, I look at this a lot of times as even a business principle. A lot of people sometimes will say, well, I ventured out in business and it failed. And so therefore, I'm never going to do that again. And you know what? Fear will paralyze you to, do, to, to not do anything. You know, again, uh, I, I look at this as one of the things that God unctions us to do as we continue to do what God tells us to do. And, and don't stop until he tells you to do something else. Well, he said to them, he who hath ears, let him hear. But when he was alone... Those around him, the twelve, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may not see, hearing that they hear and may not understand, lest they would turn and their sins would be forgiven them. You know, it's interesting that Jesus spoke to the people in parables. Now, somebody would say, well, why did Jesus do that? Well, because, friends, a lot of times they just couldn't understand it when it was just simply presented. This is what I, I believe that the, the, the temple and the Pharisees had tried to do for years, as a matter of fact. But you know what? Spiritual things sometimes to the unspiritual man don't make any sense. So Jesus began to speak to the people in parables. That is, to take a spiritual principle and put it into a simple story so that seeing, they would finally understand. They would get it. This was the idea. The problem is, spiritual things were so foreign to most people in those days, they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand what they were talking about. You see, again, when you understand that there's more to this life than meets the eye. In other words, that, that uh, what you see is what you get, as the old saying goes. Well, you know, the Bible tells us what you see is only a very small percentage of what you get. There's another whole world in the unseen realm. There's another whole world beyond this life. And this life prepares us for the next life, wherever you're going to spend it. So Jesus now speaks to the multitudes in parables so that they could understand. Because otherwise, they just couldn't figure it out. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? I mean, Jesus is going, don't you get it? 
He told him, he said, it's the word that goes out. So I went out to sow. Well, don't you understand this parable? How will then you understand all the parables? Now, this is interesting to me. He's kind of saying to his disciples, and this is great hope for you and me. Your guys are kind of dopey, you know? You don't figure it out. Now, he says, if you don't get this one, how are you going to get the rest of them? Now, friends, again, uh, understanding this, that Jesus didn't say, you know, I'm really glad the way the Bible reads. Because if it read sometimes the way we think it would read. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the other parable? You're dummies and I'm going home. You know what God continues to do with all of us, wherever we're at in our understanding and our desire to know Him? God continues to work with us. Now, I know moms and dads, sometimes that's a real frustration when you're working with your kids. Again, and you hope that they'll figure it out, and you hope that they'll get it. And you say, are they ever going to learn? Well, again, moms and dads, you you keep being that example to them. You keep being that Christ-type image in in, 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 in that family so that they will know and understand and have a have a standard in which they can judge things by. Friends, again, it may not be until they get a little older, maybe out on their own, maybe with their own family, that they will have a crisis in their home, and they'll remember how you always directed them to the Lord, or how you directed them to prayer, or how you you pointed out to them the importance of having God first in the family. And then maybe that's when the light comes on, you know, the penny drops, they figure it out. And they go, wow, I need God. See, again, uh, Jesus works with us where we're at. It isn't that God loves the smart ones and rejects the dumb ones. I'm glad about that. God knows where we're at, and God knows what you need, and God knows the speed in which we can learn. And anybody here, again, if you've been around, if you're a school teacher especially, maybe you're a parent of several kids, you'll know that maybe one of your children really get it and pick it up real quick of whatever it is you're trying to teach them, and the other ones are going, you know, they're, they're you know, following butterflies, you know. And, and there's that, that kind of a thing with, they don't, they don't completely understand it. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I really love the smart ones, but boy, I sure don't have no time for the dumb ones. I'm glad God didn't do that. Jesus continued, so he gives a story. He also explains that there are more like it to come. Now, this is, again, part of the reason why. Jesus is teaching his disciples to be communicators. Friends, again, in order to be a communicator, you have to be communicated to. In other words, in order to teach somebody, you have to be able to learn. Now, it sounds elementary, but the problem is a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people want to teach. I've actually seen people that have been saved a a few weeks and and they want to start teaching the Bible. Well, friends, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Because I think it's good to teach anybody anything from the Word of God, if nothing more, just to tell them how you got saved. But you know, a lot of times, you've got to really know what you're talking about. And, and again, the Bible tells us, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman not to be ashamed. So that way you know the Bible, you'll be able to make a good defense for your faith. You don't just say, well, I believe that because um, my wife believes that. Or, or I believe that because that's what our church believes. Have you ever heard that one? I've had people come to my door and I'll ask them a question. Well, our church believes. I go, I don't care what your church believes. What do you believe? Because again, the thing is, people, groups of people can certainly be wrong. That's what cults are. And so how do you come to the conclusions for the facts of your life? How do you can come to the conclusions of what the Word of God says is true or not true? We get that question a lot of times on to every man and answer. They'll call up and say, how do you know that the Bible is really God's Word? 
how do you know that the Bible is really true? Well, I think that's a good question. It deserves an answer. And the reason why that is, is because if I just say, well, I believe it because I believe it, and that's all I believe, and that's why I believe it, I think that person's brainwashed myself. I think it's when you can look objectively and say, how do I know that the Bible just wasn't written by a lot of really clever guys a long time ago that got together and kind of formulated this story up, put it in a book, and it's got the whole world believing a lie. How do I know that that isn't the case? Have you ever wondered that question? Or am I the only one that ever wondered that? I have. And you know what? I think as long as objectively you can ask that question about, uh, about the Bible and about God, I, I think you can learn. I think what happens, I think the danger is, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. I think that's a dangerous place to be in life. Now, the reason why I believe the Bible is real, just to let you know why I believe it. First of all, historically, we can prove it. You know, you can go to Israel today and you can find the cities, the coinage. You can actually find the widow's might. You can find all the things that the Bible talks about. Historically, according to the Smithsonian Institute, it's one of the most accurate books in antiquities ever written. So we have, from even secular vantage point, they're saying that the Bible is true. Then we have prophecy, which the Bible is one-third of, either predicting events that would happen in those days or happen in the days to come. Again, Luke chapter 21 is one of those most amazing chapters where it says, Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, friends, that's an that's a incredible prophecy Jesus says there. Because when Jesus said that, Jerusalem was under Roman control. And as a matter of fact, it wasn't until 1967 during the Six-Day War that Jerusalem finally came under Jewish control for the first time in 2,800 years. And, and you look at that and you realize only God would have known that Jerusalem would have been controlled by the Jews, but the Jews were dispersed. After 70 AD, they were scattered all over the nation. How in the world would the Jews ever even come back to Israel, let alone have Jerusalem under their control again? Only God can do that. Then I like to show people Revelation chapter 13, where it says, no one's going to be able to buy or sell anything without the mark, the name or the number on their hand or, their, or, or, or the hand or their forehead concerning of the, their alliance to the Antichrist. Well, we can see the world rushing towards a cashless society. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. The Bible says anything. It says that very clear. And I go, wow, that's exactly what even some people today are proposing that we have our, you might say, our credit card number tattooed on us, and so therefore no one can steal it. And you begin to look at all the other prophecies that the Bible speaks of. You look at the prophecies of Jesus coming in the Old Testament and that he would fulfill those. And you look at all the impossibilities unless God, in fact, in truth, was really doing it. Third, I can look at the nature of man, what the Bible says about. The Bible says the nature of man is fallen. We have different philosophies around today that say, no, man is good. He just is in a negative world, and that's why he acts the way he does. Friends, you can take kids. Don't know anything about selfishness. You, you, know, you know, ever notice that with your kids? You never have to learn. You, you, you look at your kids and say, okay, today we're going to learn how to lie. Now, we're going to lie. Now, let's practice lying. You, kids, don't, you don't have to do that. They know how to lie. What are, what's other than maybe mama, what's the first word that they learn? Mine. 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 You, you, you go, now did somebody get you in a corner someplace? Okay, now learn to say this word. Mine. Mine. Did they, no, 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 no. They figured this out. This is part of the old sin nature. 
Friends, uh, again, this is one of the, 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 the things to prove once and for all. You know, the, you've always heard about the millennial reign of Christ. The thousand years in which man will live on this earth in perfect harmony with the ecology. And, you know, every, everything will be right in this world. And do you know what's interesting? At the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, man has lived in perfect government, in perfect environment. You know what the Bible says? Satan is loosed for a short period of time. And the Bible says a number of people rally against the Lord and his saints there in Jerusalem to make war against them. In other words, they've had to live righteously for a thousand years in a perfect environment and they still rebel against God. Tells me a lot about man. So the Bible's honest and tells me a lot. So I can objectively say, yeah, as reading the Bible based upon prophecy, only God knows the future anyway. I can say, yeah, the Bible's true. That's why we have that ability to say, yes, this is why I believe and why I believe it. Well, Jesus asked a question. Do you not understand these things? Don't, don't you understand this parable that I just told you? Verse 14, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. Now the word is the word of God. And the word of God hits people in different ways. You ever notice that? To some people, again, we've talked about this before, it's the fragrance of life, and to others, it's the stench of death. <laughs> because some people who don't, I don't want to hear that junk, and they'll go whomping off. And other people go, I don't want another 10 years like I just had. Tell me more. It's amazing to me how the word of God hits people's hearts. Again, we understand that different things in a person's heart is what I believe is whether it's nice, good ground or whether it's rocky or stony ground. Or as we read earlier, where the the thorns grow up and the cares of this life choke out that word. Well, he says, the sower sows the word. Verse 15, it says, and these are the ones who by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so this is relating to the birds, that when the, sown, when the seed was sown, the birds come and take it away. By the way, it's interesting, birds are always referenced in the Bible in a negative way. It's kind of funny. Um, uh, we'll get into that subject another time. But it's kind of an interesting study sometimes to look every time that birds were mentioned. We, you know, just real fast, you remember um, Joseph when he was in prison? And the butler and the baker were down there. Evidently, there was some kind of a coup to kill Pharaoh. And they didn't know whether the butler did it or the baker did it. And everybody always thinks the butler did it. Well, in this particular story, the baker did it. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's Time.